0: Hello, world. This is Colby Baz on KTWHLP 99.5 FM in Two Harbors, Minnesota, and streaming online at ktwh.org. Welcome to Energetic Talk, brought to you by a partnership of Clean Energy Resource Teams and Two Harbors Community Radio. I'm excited to bring you conversations about clean energy and get your questions answered by our guests from near and far. This month, we are focusing on driving into the future of transportation Today we are talking about the changes virtual life has caused to transportation. Enjoy a little music by Pig's Eye Landing while I get a deal on the line. I am pleased to welcome our guest, Adil Lari. Adil is the Director of Innovative Financing for the State and Local Policy Program at the Humphrey School of Public Affairs. He has been working on transportation issues for around 50 years, and recently has been studying telecommuting. Well, hello, Adil, welcome to the show. I'd like to start with having you tell us a little bit about your role at the University of Minnesota.
1: Yes, uh, so, Thank you for having me. Uh, at, in, I am a research fellow and the director of innovative financing for the state and local policy program at the Humphrey School of Public Affairs at University of Minnesota. Here I have been studying various things, like, for example, studying mileage-based taxes, its impact and how and why we should implement it. Studying self-driving vehicles, the potential time frame, as well as potential impact of those vehicles on our transportation systems. Also, study some transportation finance, and then lastly, I've been studying and implement and studying and implementing telecommuting for the last 15-20 years.
0: Cool.
1: You know, at this time of my career I just studied a subject which interests me and where I can contribute to the knowledge. Nice. before I came to Humphrey School, I spent nearly thirty years at the Minnesota DOT, okay. holding positions in traffic management center, traffic engineering right away. And lastly I was developing public private partnerships at Director of Office of Research Services and Alternative Transportation Financing.
0: Cool. So you have a, a lot of different perspectives and experience with kind of the transportation infrastructure. So yeah, I've
1: been doing close to fifty years now. Seems like a long time ago.
0: Wow. Yeah. So tell us a little about this telecommuting research that you did.
1: Well, what happened that at this at our program I had the opportunity. Uh, to champion and with partners, design, brand, implement, and evaluate the largest and most successful telecommuting initiative in the country, which lasted for 2009 to a couple of years ago. This initiative was funded by the state legislature as a part of the Urban Partnership Agreement to the tune of more than $3.2 million, during which we had significant marketing and education fees, including development of e-workplace websites, the initiative later was funded by Met Council's Congestion Mitigation Initiative for Phase Two and Three, so it lasted from 2009 till about 2018. Wow! Well,
0: and the driving force
1: behind the initiative—yeah, the driving force behind the initiative was a yeah, belief that we do not have to accept traffic congestion and resulting greenhouse emission. And on Phase One evaluation, which was confirmed by the independent federal evaluators, the initial $3.2 million had a return of 11 to 1. There are not that many transportation investments that have such a high return.
0: Cool, well, that's nice to hear that it's money well spent. So it sounds like you kind of have been involved in this research for quite a few years, but then that research officially ended shortly before COVID happened. And as I'm sure all of us are aware, COVID changed a lot of things, one of which was kind of a lot more telecommuting or as we are commonly calling it now, like virtual life. And so I'm curious how that has kind of impacted your research or if there's any kind of, yeah, lessons to be learned from that, from your research. No, so, you know,
1: so I have been work continuously you know, even when our funding ended, I continued to study commuting. computing. And sometime I wonder whether Matt council knew that it just coming, so they have to stop funding us, you
0: know. Oh, you're gonna start but,
1: a conspiracy theory. Yeah, right, yeah, that's right. Everybody else is doing it, why not me, right? Yeah. Anyway, so a great number of studies are trying to measure the impact of COVID-19 on the workforce and traffic and measuring the number of employees working from home. Problem is all the definitions are different, so it is difficult to compare the data. Hmm. But for example, Met Council, Minneapolis, I mean, uh, Twin Cities, Met Council, panel study of last May found that 60% of the employees were telecommuting versus 26% before COVID-19. The same study found that 48% are working from home full time compared to 12% before. Wow. Also, the Minneapolis downtown council found that only 12.2% of the 218 employees were coming to downtowns last summer compared to February 2020. The other thing is that the Google do a mobility report every day. Right. And the, for example, uh, in October and then February. They said there was a 32% reduction in trips to workplace in Minnesota, but this reduction was much higher in Hennepin County. It was in a tune of 45%. And this is consistent with other studies which found that urban areas are experiencing higher percentage of reduction because of the employment they have.
0: Yeah, and I, and I wonder whatnot. how that kind of interrelates with it being largely rural up here in the Northeast. and. Yeah, whether that's the kind of jobs that can work. I know we've had a lot of expansion of internet infrastructure, which helps with telecommuting. But you also need the right kind of
1: job. That's right. You know that's the issue. But you know, so what I have found, and if you there was another study actually, my research assistant, who's now with MINDAT, has done some study, and he tried to eliminate the effect of unemployment uh, out of the traffic. Mm-hmm. What he found that the some of the greater Minnesota districts actually have increased in traffic compared to the trips which are in metro area.
0: Interesting.
1: Because, you
0: know, Were those specifically are, looking at like commute type kind of traffic? Not the or total, was it total, like the vacationing?
1: The total trips he was looking at, total VMT, yeah. you know to take out the effect of unemployment, you know. So you did some calculation based on that. And he found that the, especially northern Minnesota has actually increased in traffic. Not as a total traffic, but if you take out the unemployment.
0: Right. Well, Why I don't do think that would surprise anyone living up here because we've all noticed a very dramatic increase in the number of people coming up here to camp and get out into the woods. So...
1: That's right, you know. Yeah, I remember coming there quite a few times, you know, just to get out of it in the last fall, and I found a lot of people there.
0: Yeah, Yeah. well, it's a beautiful place up here. And I yeah. even like the winter, so I know this, this spring isn't so great, but <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know the flowers are just around the corner. So based right. on all that research and kind of what you've been hearing going on in the area, what are some of the benefits of kind of this shift in transportation,
1: well, you know one thing obviously is with reduction in con- congestion, you know, mm-hmm. and with that obviously the reduction in greenhouse emission. also you know we need to look at because most of the urban, especially the roads, we expend capacity because of the peak period volumes right. And so if the peak period volumes are reduced and we don't have a congestion, then we don't have to in, invest those billions of dollars to ex, you know, widen those roads.
0: Right, so it seems so like I, maybe even they, if the time of commutes kind of shifted and were more dispersed rather than all in those same chunks of time, that would dramatically shift how much infrastructure was needed.
1: No, absolutely, because if you reduce the total VMT by twelve hours, even divided by twelve hours, you don't have much congestion. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So at the present time we don't have any congestion and I think that even when it comes back, most probably they will not be. So I, I believe that as a state we need to step back and do some analysis. Do the more projections. Because most of the highways infrastructure we build we do a cost benefit study or project and if the volumes and those numbers suddenly change we need to regroup right
0: Um, and so then of course it comes to the question of like are they going to stick around are are these changes more long term are they something that we're going to just kind of go back to the normal commuting habits
1: well, you know, that's a good question, and there's some surveys, but entirely, you know, I give the example what you everybody has read about what the Target is doing, right? That Target is the biggest employer in downtown Minneapolis. They have about 8,500 employees. They first told all their employees don't expect to come back to middle of uh, this year, 2021. Then they changed their mind. They say, come, maybe fall. But now I'm hearing that they're talking about don't expect to come back till the end of the year. And then they announced just early this week that they are letting go close to a million square feet of this space, which they already have a lease. So they will continue to pay the rent, but they are not going to use it. If they didn't have, you know, considering that, you know, President uh, Biden just announced that he expects by July, you know, we will be uh, have developed the uh, or vaccinated most of the people. That if the productivity was not good for target, they would have been, you know, bringing everybody as soon as possible. Yeah, but they are not. That's you really know? interesting. So that's and that they are pretty really happy with the way the things are and they are just trying to develop some hybrid model where people might be coming to work for a couple of days and work from home the other time. So mm-hmm. they're yeah, looking at some hybrid model.
0: Seems like maybe COVID broke through some of those barriers that when I kind of read through your research, you'd identified as far as kind of yeah, mm-hmm. making that pitch to businesses of what the advantages of working remotely or kind of telecommuting would be and now since that was forced upon organizations, the ones that it fits for are like, Oh,
1: of course, let's let's stick with this. No, absolutely. You know, because people are you know, don't change that easily. You know, it was working, why change it? Yeah. And now I think and also with the technology is changing too. You know, who, you know, Zoom is a verb now, right? Right. <laughs> Everybody is Zooming, and we have 5G. Internet is becoming more available, it's faster and faster the speeds, and all the different software. You know, Zoom is the only one, you know. Right. Microsoft yeah. have that meat, you know, and Google has their own programs and everything. So a lot of technology is evolved very, very fast and enhanced capability and all those things. Uh, Yeah, it's very different
0: doing Zoom meetings now than back when you're doing the phone conference calls and always trying to figure out who's going to talk next. And yeah, Mm -hmm. Zoom, having that video makes a big difference.
1: No, absolutely. It completely changed the environment, so I think. And, you know, Metropolitan Council just did a panel survey. This is spring and fall. And they asked the employees what their preference was, and if you calculate all of it, two thirds they prefer to work two thirds of the time from home.
0: Yeah, Now, it and seems like most of us crave a little of that in-person working and just kind of be able to develop relationships in a unique way. But yeah, just able to actually get a little more work done at home sometimes.
1: That's absolutely. And they also believe that the employer will likely allow them to telecommute, close mm-hmm. 70%, to 70% of the employees felt that that was the case.
0: If you are just tuning in, this is Energetic Talk with Colby Baz on KTWH 99.5 FM radio with a lake view. Today, we are talking with Adil Lari about telecommuting and its effect on transportation. So let's get back to the interview. So, obviously, we've been talking a lot about all the benefits of kind of this shift in transportation. Um, I imagine there have been some trade-offs as well, like particularly kind of thinking about the transportation infrastructure and kind of the way people move around. Are there any kind of downsides that you've noticed to kind of a dramatic shift towards telecommuting?
1: Well, you know, when I look at the impact of, you know, working from home, I look at I have looked at three different. One is income based, right? Mm-hmm. And what I found that the people of higher income has much more opportunity to work from home than the lower income. And it goes mm-hmm. all the way from bottom from 3 or 4% all the way to 18% of the people who make more than 80,000, 100, uh, 200,000 they can work from home. Same issue is racial composition of it. And the people the blacks and Hispanics and Latinos are having a much lesser chance to work from home. And the third is a gender issue, mm. you know, because women are responsible for caregiving and childcare, and that has impacted them because the kids are home, and their parents, you know, are, they are trying to take care of them at home because nursing homes are becoming a dangerous place. And so yeah. they are dropping out of the workforce in much higher percentage. Yeah, and so that's definitely
0: from schooling. I know, like, that's, I mean, a form of daycare, really. Like, a lot of people have a hard time working when kids are home. And uh, the number of Zoom calls that have gotten interrupted by kids' smiling faces.
1: That's right. So, you know, know, once in a while or twice, it is funny and it's cute, but you cannot run businesses, you know, in that regard. So... Yeah. So, it's so it exact, seems like
0: are So it seems watch. like there's not really any negatives that you've identified, but there are disparities in how the kind of advantages of this remote work are being applied to society and to people as far as who has access to that that privilege and that ability to yeah, work. Yeah. But
1: negative, one thing is negative is what I am feeling is that Transit usage has really dropped, okay?
0: Hmm.
1: But transportation, you know, the mobility challenge people, you know, lower income and others who rely on transit. I, you know, at the present time, obviously, with all those uh, federal grants and all that, they are continuing to do it and provide those services. I'm a little bit concerned what will happen when that federal money will stop coming.
0: Right. And so much and also, of public transit is, like, built around kind of meeting people's commuting needs. And so if there's less people that, needing right. to commute, then how do those public transit systems kind of stay operational and profitable?
1: That's right. You know, they're never profitable, but a lot of income they generated in the peak period volumes. You mm-hmm. know? And if the peak period volume disappeared, but the other people who are, you know, lower income, you know, who are janitors and who are, you know, dishwashers and this and that, they don't work during the peak period, but they need a transit to get them to the work. What will happen to them? And so I am serious concerned about that particular issue that we need to think about. And the way the Minnesota tech, you know, transportation financing system works, the money which goes to highways cannot be transferred to the transit. Interesting, because they're dedicated to only highways,
0: even though a fair bit of the trans it like uses the roads, like if you think of buses and all that,
1: that's right, yeah so so some of those issues you know I think we will we need to look at it and see what we can do regarding that,
0: yeah, and it seems like there's probably gonna need to be a shift in kind of those policies and how roads are funded because um, we're also in this show talking about EVs and electric cars which don't burn gas which is the gas tax is where most of that road funding comes from and so that's definitely, yeah, definitely. something that as a downside for a lot of EV owners where different kind of fees or taxes are being applied to the vehicle purchase or registrations um, but yeah, just as a society, reassessing how we fund our roads.
1: Yeah, that's my other study, which I, I've been doing for many, many years on mileage-based tax. Oh, so, cool. No, Well you know, That's an EV, <laughs> but that's some other, for some other day.
0: Yes, uh, yes. So, another day we'll have to chat with you about
1: that. Yeah, but one, another thing I just want to point out that yeah. maybe the long-term benefit has a gender issue. Because as I was saying before, the women are more responsible for caregiving and child care. But if the flexibility of working from home continues, they might not have to drop out of the workforce even later on. Because in normal times, Mm -hmm. many of them drop out uh, of the professional ladder in the middle of their career when they start having kids and others. And but so maybe this provides a
0: way for them to continue contributing and participating in the workforce, um, while also kind of in a part-time way, and then working at home and taking care of their kids as well.
1: That's right, you know, and also obviously the the men could be doing this that as well. So they mm-hmm. both of them combined together could take care of the kids and other, uh, you know caregiving responsibility and they don't have to get out of the workforce.
0: Yeah, so I no. think in
1: the you know, short term it is a negative, but maybe in long term if the flexibility is can is kept, which I think it will be, I think it would be very helpful.
0: Well that's a nice way to kind of see a challenge right now, but also see how that could be turned into an advantage and an asset kind of with thoughtful approaches.
1: You know, and always, you know, whenever these big changes happen, there's always, we need to adapt and see how, you know, and hopefully uh, if you are smart enough to maintain the good of it, you know? Yeah, definitely.
0: So do you see any paths forward to reducing those disparities? I mean, we talked a little bit about the gender disparities, but kind of the income or racial disparities, Do you have any kind of ideas that have come from your research or the data you've collected on paths to move
1: beyond that? Well, I think one is that we need to look at that as we were talking about gender again, that we need to look at what's before and after the school education and all that, you know, providing in in elementary schools and all that. I Mm. think that will be helpful. Also, I think we need to look at some tax consequences. The 2017, when the law changed under uh, President Trump, eliminated the deduction of the working from home, work expenses. Mm-hmm. If you are employed, then you cannot deduct any of the expenses you are doing at home. If you are self-employed, you can, but not the other way. Right. So I think we need to have that discussion what that do. At the present time, if you're working from home and you buy your printer or buy your furniture or buy paper. And
0: or need to kind of add a little addition to enhance. have an office space. Yeah. I know we had to do that at my yeah. home.
1: <laughs> yeah. So none of those are deductible at the present time. If you're hmm. working from home, you
0: Yeah. That, so that seems a like a new problem created by this kind of virtual working as an employee versus kind of traditionally where contractors or self-employed people would fall under that yeah. and be able to claim that.
1: Yeah, so they have changed that in 2017 and now it is to 2025 they have limited that deduction. The second is the tax consequences of the state's issues. So if you, you know, some of states have reciprocity so like Wisconsin and Minnesota have reciprocity. Mm-hmm. but not all these states have reciprocity issues. So, so if you you're working in one working state, in one state,
0: state is, and living in a different state, that really complicates things.
1: Yeah, actually there's a lawsuit at the present time between the state of Maine versus Massachusetts regarding that.
0: Cool. Because there
1: was a lot of people who, who lived in Maine, used to work in Massachusetts, they pay part of the taxes in Massachusetts. Now they are not going to Massachusetts, they're just Working from men, and they think, Why the hell? I have to pay taxes. And uh right. Say, uh-uh, you have to, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a whole mess that someone's going to have to figure out.
1: So I'd that's love right. to
0: ask you just one last question about kind of if one of our listeners is listening now, what's something they could do today to kind of, yeah, help keep the good benefits of this shift? to remote work as far as kind of less traffic um, and kind of reduce the downsides. Like what's something somebody could do today?
1: One thing I think we should, I think employees should be doing is to having a dialogue with their employers, you know, what, you know, figure out what is working, what is not working, how they can improve on those issues.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so continue to work because at the present time, you know, everything happened because it needed to happen. So, long term, I think most of the employers are finding that it's working, but it's still, there might be some questions. So, if you want to maintain it, you need to have that discussion on yeah, both sides. Definitely. Uh, to and get figure out that
0: regard. What sort of hybrid systems are kind of how can both the employer and the employee's needs be met and kind of yeah improve things across you know. the board?
1: Yeah, that's that's very, very important I think that we need to and everybody need to have some, those honest discussions. And in the you know, workplace there's always a little bit of tension in that regard. You know, people don't talk as much as they should, you know. A little bit more open and honest discussion. And we should start doing it now instead of waiting till, you know, everybody starts opening. Right. And start planning what it might look like. Because at the present time, we are in the forced experiment, so it is good that we should have that, those discussions now.
0: Cool. Well, that's a wonder way, wonderful way to end this conversation. Well, Adil, thank you so much for being on the show and talking with us about your research into telecommuting. And, yeah, maybe we'll have you back sometime to yeah talk about taxing on kind of per-mile driving and how that impacts EVs and
1: the broader road infrastructure. Thank you for having me and enjoy the North Shore and I hope to be coming there very soon.
0: We hope to have you once the snow is finished melting. That was deal Lari talking to us about the changes virtual life has caused to transportation. Tune in again next week on Thursday at 7 p.m. when we will be continuing to drive into the future of transportation by talking with an EV owner and driver about their experience. Next month's theme will be all about high-performance buildings. If you have any questions you would like answered on the show, please email them to colby at cleanenergyresourceteams.org. Thank you for joining us in Energetic Talk. Special thanks goes to Carlisle Evans-Peck for the theme song and our featured artist, Pig's Eye Landing. I hope you enjoyed listening to KTWH 99.5 FM, and we'll tune back in next Thursday at 7 p.m. on the air or online at ktwh.org. This is Colby Baz signing off.